Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Musical Deep Dive podcast presented by the AMFM Radio Club. This will be a series of conversations diving headfirst into interesting musical ideas, stories behind albums and the world of music in general. In this episode, I, Jonathan, will have a conversation with Hassan, who has delved into the world of Arabic music. We will discuss the roots of Arabic music, what makes it so different from Western music, and also the influence of classical Arabic music on the contemporary music of today. The audio clips you will hear are being used on a fair use, but be sure to check out the accompanying Spotify playlist for an overview of all the songs you mention. For now, enjoy. Uh, yeah, all right. So let's start with the history or um, the origins of Arabic music. So in general, it started like pre-Islamic era in the okay. region. Yeah, so uh, like in the fifth century, around that era, like fifth, progressing to the seventh. This is where like the hardcore development of what Arabic music developed into what we know nowadays so like this is where it started of course the music is very similar throughout the region because they've always been traveling in and throughout mm. like uh, through egypt to asia like to the arabian peninsula and then coming back like to the levantine area and then the greeks coming to this region like it's been very diverse and with the ottoman empire it has oh, like yeah. a very rich political history into it if you put it that way like in how different countries settling in these areas or different empires sorry settling in these areas made such influence so in general when we talk about like arab music there it, it's very distinct from western music or like english music in general for for many reasons which we're gonna like talk about now and compare so in this section what makes arabic music special there's there's one clear thing where it distinguishes arabic music from western music and from any other music around the world and it's the quarter tones okay yeah so normally there are 12, 12 tones in a western skill yeah and in arabic music there are 24 24 and is it that between so could you say that there's like a the western skill and in between each note there's an extra note or are even the the differences between the notes also different no no, no it's actually in between every okay. note like for example between a c and a c sharp there's a note Right. In between a D and a D sharp, like there's a note, for example. And that's because like the origins of that it's because of the instruments that okay. you use in there. Like because the the core instrument or like the like the master instrument of Arabic music as how it developed now is the oud. Or like how you you note like the lute, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ah, fretless okay. it's yeah. a fretless instrument. So there is no frets to guide where mm-hmm the like you place a note like for example a guitar where it has frets and you can place a note like it's very there's there's an equal distance that's that's measured yeah so that's why like i guess like the origin started with the 24 quarter notes of the chromatic scale and for those who don't know chromatic scale it's basically the scale which covers all the pitches in a certain um, yeah music or how would you explain (laughs) it like i think you can explain it better so yeah i guess uh, the chromatic t- uh, skills, the all the notes you can there are in in an octave, so yeah, yeah. I guess that's the way to explain. It. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect way to explain it. And also, yeah, um, some from the chromatic scale we can talk about um, the different scales. Like I think the main, like the more important scales, like in Western music, you can say is the major and minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those are two most important. Then there are derivatives of it, like modes and. Mm. So so in Arabic in Arabic music, cause like because there's a lot of variety in notes, 
you have around nine skills. Okay. So it's not Those just are like the basic skills. Yeah. So so it's it's not just major and minor. The basic skills are around nine, and I'll just name in Arabic like a skill is known as maqam. Okay. And how many tones would a skill have for all? Seven. Seven. Oh, seven. It's, it's seven. just okay. same. Like yeah, it's seven. Okay. Uh, every skill has like seven tones, but uh, because you have more variety of tones, that's why I have like ah. more a uh, larger variety of uh, skills. So we have first the Ajam scale. Ajam scale is basically like the English major scale. Mm. And then Nahawan, Nikriz, Kord, Al Hijaz, Al Baiti, Al Saba, Al Rast, and Al Huzan. Those are like the names of the nine scales. Uh, if you look into the history of it, like they all have like very specific history. Like one of them is named after a certain guy who came up with this scale and things like that. It's not. Oh, okay. It's not necessarily like a technical of what it means. Mm. I guess it's also because there are so many options for skills. So yeah. 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 So, so they name it after the guy who <laughs> invented it or something. Uh, so yeah. Um, right now, like I'd like to show you something in general about like Arabic music because it's very embedded with the culture and with the dances and with the, what they mean like certain rhythms in some areas like there mm. there's a rhythm that uh, is played at when the bride's walking down the aisle for example okay, yeah. there's a rhythm for certain dances there's a rhythm for some certain martial arts that are like very <laughs> specific to the region so uh, I'll, I'll just show you right now some of them sounds good yeah so first we're gonna start with the ayub rhythm which is uh, known in the czar or like the Sufi dancing or like the Tanura. I don't know if you've seen it, but like when the guy just keeps on spinning. Okay, no, no you haven't? Yeah, it's interesting. You have to check it out. It's a, sp a spinning dance. Another rhythm which is extremely popular and I think this is the like most familiar rhythm to people who are not diverse into the Arabic music, it's the Masoom, mm -hmm. which is used for belly dancing. Okay. If you're yeah. familiar with belly dancing and you've seen it or you've heard it or you've listened to the music that's done around it, it's that rhythm. Yeah, so rhythm. If, if there's belly dancing, it's always this rhythm or...? Usually, yeah. usually you can have many different rhythms, but this is the one where like the belly dancer reacts to the rhythm of the tabla or the rabokka we call it okay. the, this instrument. Okay, we'll give it a listen. Nice. <laughs> so what do you think? <laughs> yeah, and I I've probably heard it before. Yeah, but it's the, I think there is less of a driving pulse, so it's a bit more mysterious, maybe. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. It leaves like it leaves a place for improvisation rhythmically mm. over it, so like yeah. there can be a, a reaction, or, um, sort of like an like a communication between the dancer and like the okay. rhythm player. Yeah. So like what like he can improvise a beat over here, and then she improvises a dance immediately. Yeah, she reacts, and then he reacts. Can react and yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's why like it has a lot of open space. Okay. And uh, the third rhythm that we're gonna check out is Saidi. So this comes from the south of Egypt, uh, also known as Upper Egypt because it's geographically it's more elevated. That's why it's called Upper. Okay. Uh -huh. So uh, uh, Saidi, it's used also with a martial art in Egyptian. It's an ancient Egyptian martial art called Tahtib, where it's with long sticks and like okay. you you hit each other with against like it's that martial art. So this music is played around like in in form of a competition. This is the music that's around it okay, and, yeah. and also with their dances and everything but like it's predominantly used with the tahtib martial art. Okay. 
The bass drum is not like you think it's on the one, but they actually skip the one and it starts on the two. Oh, okay. You're gonna listen to it, you're gonna find a very interesting <laughs> dynamic to it. They skip a beat into it, so you think like yeah, it's, it's not starting like on. It's delayed every time you feel like, yeah, 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 yeah. and it's just done later on. The when they hit like the bass of the drum of it, mm -hmm. it's called the dome. So they skip the dome of it. <laughs> so this part, we talked about rhythms and how it incorporates with dances and how different dances they are specified to it. So yeah, also like within like the Arabic music, because like in, in Western music, they use like usually the minor scale to have like a portray sadness mm -hmm. or a, a, a sorrow emotion in the song generally. But the thing is, like with the Arabic scales, it's like it's mostly in minor. If you okay. compare it to uh, the Western music, so there the other dynamic that they really use or focus on, in general, like to to sh portray sadness or sorrow, is the rhythm. That's very interesting. Yeah. So they mostly use the the rhythm for like the the tone of the song. Yeah. Oh. To to like if if there's a sad part you're gonna you're gonna notice it rhythmically even if you don't understand what happens like the rhythm just stops and slows down to it and gives sort of a build up where like you feel the emotions from the singer for example mm. or the music yeah. and is there still like this change in tone in the harmony or is it really mostly rhythm, uh, in the rhythm there is a change in the not necessarily harmony because like harmony. Harmony isn't really as incorporated in like the classical music mm -hmm. as much as it is in like compared to Western okay, classical music. Yeah. It's more compared into like like the, the the tone, the melodies of it are very complex. Right. So they focus more on the complexity of the melody, and then they slow it down or like mm. follow it with the rhythm, and just like sustain a lot of notes. Okay, so there isn't much of a focus on the like, chords or no 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 because no, 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 no. I was already thinking the quarter tones will probably be very difficult to make. <laughs> yeah. Chord. I can see, okay, yeah. To have a, a chord with quarter tones, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's interesting, a very different approach to, like, yeah, rhythm, music, uh, of uh, harmony and, yeah. and melody, yeah. Yeah, 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 harmony is more not necessarily with, like, with the chord, maybe, maybe some melodies, like, where the singer would react to the music or mm. vice versa in a solo, or in a solo, like, situation where an instrumentalist would react some way to harmonize with it, but yeah. it's not, like, really directed into the composition of the song. So also there are very various instruments uh, that are used. They're 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 essential to what we know as like the Arabic music, and in in a band like for example you'd have like a jazz quintet. Mm -hmm. You'd have in uh, the Arabic music called atakht, okay. and it's composed of like five five or six basic instruments, which is the oud where we discussed before, a mm. violin, because like also violin it's fretless. Oh yeah, of course. So you can play also quarter tones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the anun, which is an instrument, it's sort of like uh, a harp, but but it's laid down horizontally on the lap of the player. Okay. And he plays it, picking his fingers on the strings. And the ney, it's a flute made out of bamboo. 
Okay. It's just pure bamboo pure and it's bamboo. hollow. It doesn't have like a whistle in it or anything. Oh, it must be hard to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to angle it in a certain direction, like diagonally, to uh, to get that certain tone and mm. get it out of it. Add to those two, like the rhythm section is composed of the tabla. We call it tabla. It's not similar to the Indian tabla. Mm-hmm. So for the sake of the this episode, not to confuse people who think that the tabla is the Indian tabla, we're just going to call it adarabukka, which is also another name for it. And uh, which is like a tambourine, but they actually play on the head of it, uh, the head of a tambourine, like a drum. Mm-hmm. And the dofut keeps like the basic rhythm of the song. Okay. With, yeah. Okay, so we'll start off with the um, oud. Mm-hmm. This is a sample from a very famous oud player known... Uh, He's a very famous singer and his name is Farid Lotrash, so check this out. Part of his solo. Yeah, it's very typical what you think of when you hear Arabic music, I think. But I think that what I really liked is that it also has a bit of a percussive element. So I think it's like mostly uh, melodical, but it's, you know, it's almost like a bass slapping. Yeah, because you actually, they slapped like they, they have sort of like a feather. It's like a, a thicker feather. Ah, yeah, I've seen it. And, yeah. they, and they slap with it when they play it on, ah. the, on the oud itself. Mm. They, they, there is a technique where you can slap and you can't so like this part he was using definitely like sort of a slapping technique mm. on the strings itself so the this is the oud and then we have the anun which is uh, similar to the harp And this had a bit of harmony also. I really like that. It didn't sound, it sounded very, very new for me. So it's uh, very cool. Yeah. I it's guess it's part of maybe, I don't know if that's the quarter tones or just like the notes in general they use. But it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting, it's a very difficult instrument too. So uh, definitely those who play it, they <laughs> can imagine. Yeah. yeah. They probably know what they're doing very well. <laughs> Uh, and the third instrument we uh, I can show you is the nei, which is the bamboo flute that I was oh, yeah. uh, talking to you about. interesting how there still can be so much like intonation and vibrato just from like basically a hollow bamboo yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely like it's very interesting like where the instrument the origins of it how it came to uh, to live I think I'm not sure but that would be an interesting thing to find out Mm. and also like if you notice like in this sample like how he's improvising over like a sustained note, mm, yeah. Um, like from the from the string section. This is this is a very common practice where like you have a sustain of certain note mm-hmm. from the uh, from the string section, and then they change it sort sort of like chord changes, but okay. in jazz, but not uh, not really as much. 
and then like the and then one instrument or it's always uh, I'm sorry I forget the name but it's yeah, always the, uh, the flute like instrument or yeah. sometimes also a different instrument no no, no it can be any instrument yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, this is just the concept of like how you solo or improvise sort of mm. something it's a very common way to do it okay. generally like uh, in Arabic music and now you can check out the rhythmic instruments and uh, how they make up the rhythm section so first we have the tabla the, the rabokka Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> straightforward. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's one like thing. There aren't like with like our Western drum kit. There are like multiple things you can hit. It's all the same. Yeah, just yeah, different yeah. techniques of hitting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where you hit it. It's like yeah. for example on a snare drum, like a rim shot mm -hmm. compared to a side stick. It's like only one drum. Yeah, and yeah. You have it specifically because like there isn't one rhythm player. There's like usually like a, a section, rhythm section, okay. where like you have. Uh, two or three Duff players, or, which I'm going to show you now. Uh, what there, It's usually one tabla player, because he's, he's the lead of the rhythm. Mm -hmm. And you have like a player giving like sort of the symbols. Okay, yeah, so a bit like Cuban music, where like the rhythm section is yeah. usually also different people playing different elements of the rhythm. Exactly, exactly. So here we have the Duff, uh, which holds the basic rhythm. Yeah, so like the, the, the kick drum. Yeah, yeah, basically. And last but not least, uh, the rip. Yeah. yeah, so they play the cymbals, like there's some very small tiny cymbals on it, like a tambourine basically. Mm. And the, it's it's a frame drum, so like they play on the head of the frame. Drum. Okay. So yeah. yeah, that's why like there is a possibility to solo on it. All right, and uh, here's a sample of how when you combine all those instruments together, uh, they would sound like. Uh, this is from a track by Sayyid Darwish uh, called Zuruni. So now that we've covered the musical side of the Arabic music and like uh, how the instruments come together and the rhythms and how it plays with the culture. Now I'm like really, really interested to talk about the Arabic singing because it's very unique mm -hmm. type yeah. of singing where like, for example, it's as unique as like you have opera singing or rock singing or these different types of singing. So it's, it's that unique. So the famous style or like the hardest type, which like uh, the Arabic region is known of mm -hmm. singing is Tarab. So the thing, so it's known as tarab, which the word tarab itself, it literally means when you translate it into English, it's an act of levity or disturbance that is so strong that it stirs the soul to joy, ecstasy, sorrow or relief. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely tell like the difficulty of this it's, it's thing. Intense, yeah. yeah. This type of singing is extremely exceptional. So like very few, not very few, but like in order to make it as a well-renowned singer, you mm. need to know how to do it. Right, yeah. Or else you wouldn't be characterized. You're like, ah, oh, you're a good performer. Like the, the public would see it oh, as, you're, oh, you're a good performer. Is he a singer? No, he's not a singer. Oh, okay. That's okay. the way they, they per perceive it. Mm. So uh, there are, of course, many different things cause it to be difficult and that strong. And one of those things like, Again, as we talked before, the quarter tones. Yeah. 
So like it's difficult enough to get them on an instrument. Mm-hmm. Imagine how difficult it can be <laughs> to get it like through your own throat and just like oh, yeah. practice like practice it and have it make like known throughout your vocal cords mm. where to change and how to change it. So yeah, that's uh, Torab. Uh, usually it's like y- if you listen to old concerts of famous people like for example Umm Kalsum, when they have a solo or when they're singing, people get so immersed into it mm-hmm. where suddenly you hear like a shout. Ah, yeah, yeah. I shout because like they're so immersed into like, oh my God, it's like, yes, yes, this is what we need. <laughs> oh, wow, must be great to see, see that life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it takes them to another world. So that's why like, in order to be characterized as a Torab singer or a Motrib, as we say it, you need to be able to take or transcend people into different. Special, yeah. yeah, you need to transcend people into different realities mm. with your voice. That's how oh. difficult it is because they use a lot of riffs. So like they riff between different notes yeah. in general, vocal breaks or vocal cracks actually. Okay. So like where in some songs where if you're not familiar with the music, you think, oh, this guy's just like out of tune or out mm. of or out of the key that we're singing in. But actually those vocal cracks, like they're very difficult to achieve mid singing. Mm, yeah. And usually like they're used for emotion of pain. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like if you're singing about something very, like very sad or sorrow or grieving about something, they use the cracks just to explain that's how much pain he caused me to ah. like even have my throat or my voice crack to it. It's intentional, it's completely mm. intentional. But that's how it's done. And they constantly shift between like like different keys and different scales. Mm. Like nine scales that we talked about, they need to like transition between them oh, wow. vocally. And then for the like the riffs and stuff, uh, is it like on set lyrics or are those parts more like uh Improvisations of tones, or is it on set lyrics? They can be both. Okay. They can be both. They can improv like they can have a certain lyric and set in a certain way, but they can improvise to it Mm -hmm. and cause it like say it in a different way, sustain it, bend it, or whatever they want. Or it can be like in a part of a soul where they're reacting or saying, because like in jazz you have like sort of the scatting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what I was thinking of. Like the scatter, and like this way where like they 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 like show their vocals or like their ability yeah. in jazz sing. In Arabic it's more of like sort of a yalil. Okay. They call it yalil, yalil, yalil. Of course, excuse my <laughs> voice to those who are listening. I'm not one of those categorized singers, but just to give you like a small just, yeah. So yeah, it's yalil, yalil. Hmm. Uh, it's also portrayed like, I don't know if you know the Sting song, uh, Desert Rose. Uh, There's a rose. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's using that type of like improvisation oh, okay. of it. Where he also has like a an Algerian singer singing in the beginning, known as Shab Mami. So yeah, uh, this is the part of it. Um, and now, like, I'd like to give you like I'll show you one of the most notable Arabic singers singing this type of torab. Uh, his name is uh, Wael Kfouri. He's mm-hmm. from Lebanon, and he's gonna sing a song that's originally by a singer also or a motrib. You can call him Motib because they sing that style of music. Uh, his name is Wadiya Sofi, also Lebanese. It's called Lebanani Ot'ait Sama. Oh, my God. 
control over his voice. Yeah. Incredible. And it's a lot more than just singing a melody. I understand what you say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just transcends you into like a different <laughs> reality to it. Um, yeah, and he does it beautifully. You can also see like the power of his voice, like where he's holding the mic. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's not like straight up to his face. It's just down, like mm. down to his <laughs> chest where he's singing. And it's all so powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and and the top songs are are those like classical songs or like uh, standards which everybody sings, or are there new songs written all the time? Or it's a style of singing. So like there are standards for it. Like mm. when you're practicing, for example, if you study in a conservatory or some, there are standards like of very notable singers. Like you sing this in order to get, and you can train it that way. Mm. So there are standards in that sense. And this by like. Part that you just heard, sort it is a standard. Yeah, okay. It's a Lebanese standard, so uh, there are standards for it, and it's also incorporated right now, like into some songs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's it still exists and it's still used, but not in the context of a popular song. Mm. So, uh, like you'd usually find singers paying homage like to previous singers using their songs in concerts ah, or yeah. doing a cover of it. Because uh, that style of music isn't really as composed now, where you'd have like an entire orchestra playing mm. and you have a way to. But yeah, but this is one of the singers where, like, yeah, he, he, he vocalized that way of Torab into pop songs. Okay. It's not as apparent as it was, like, in, 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 in like the style of Torab, mm -hmm. but it's still there. Like, he uses the techniques, all the same techniques, all yeah. the same methods to vocal, vocalize the songs. Mm -hmm. and, and what are the, like, is there any topic Torab songs are often about, or is it just in general very different? Usually, as the thing is, usually they're mostly about love. Okay. Love or like pay or, or paying tribute or showing, displaying your love for your land or your country. Okay. That's what they were usually about historically. Coming to different purposes, like for example, you couldn't like in the in the forties and thirties maybe more like in the 20s you had more freedom but like in the 30s 40s 50s 60s like this era where mm -hmm. like you'd started to introduce like politically it was very complex mm -hmm. so yeah. usually singers to avoid or like to be successful they avoid talking about any social issues uh, okay. yeah. any politics anything because like they upset a lot of people yeah. yeah so yeah that's why they were mostly like about like uh topics that everyone agrees upon love yeah. Uh, the country itself not talking about specific like yeah I love this part of the country and mm. the people and talking about, romanticizing about it so yeah. it's more of a like romantics okay. in the songs so yeah uh, you can you can argue that before it wasn't like you had like people like Said Darwish who's considered like the father of the Egyptian modern music mm -hmm. Egyptian modern classical music uh, he talked about social issues okay. all along like everything, like talking about his daily life, what's going around, when he goes on the street, what he sees, these things, not necessarily a lot about love. To the extent like he's the guy who composed like the Egyptian national anthem. Ah, oh, <laughs> that's, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's to the extent like he talked about like so, so many diverse things. So yeah, you can argue that there was a shift like where they didn't have anything to talk about like specifically, mm -hmm. and then they shifted more like to the popular songs about love, about the country in general. Yeah, okay. All right, so um, some notable singers where like it's important to know about them, or I I feel like uh, they're interesting people to diverse into their music mm -hmm. as a suggestion, like so from the classical era, of, like the, from the modern classical era. Of course, the first one that we need to talk about uh, uh, the notorious Omar Khalthoum. 
<laughs> she's considered she's considered the goat when you talk about like Arabic singing or like the Torah she's the goat like who do you go to you listen to Umm Kalsum that's it there are of course many other really good people like fantastic singers but for some reason she just like attracted everyone mm. everything like from musically at that era and when, when was she born what time she started becoming popular in the 40s starting okay. 40s and she died in the 70s okay But that she's yeah she was before that also continuing like started from a folkloric actually like she started to learn how to sing those scales from reciting she she memorized the Quran mm-hmm. and from like reciting it because like you also need to read it in a certain way and melodically so it's yeah. very tough okay. so coming from those they actually helped her mm. into going into like singing so yeah um, like a different it was a different era the songs usually one song lasted from. 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> one song. I'm not talking about an album. Just one song. <laughs> Just one song. A full orchestration for 30 minutes to an hour. So, yeah, but th- there's a reason to that. And the thing is, she used to, like, usually host one concert per month. Okay. And for that concert, she only, like, she prepared a song for each concert. Oh, a different one. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that she wouldn't repeat it because, like... It was sort of a more like close society, so you mm. can't like everyone like would go to the same types of entertainment, and uh, like there are very few singers that are known. So it would be boring, or she'd lose a lot okay, of crowd yeah. if she just repeats those songs. And then she records them like live. Like if you listen to her songs, they're all live recordings. Okay, well. it's not like studio recordings. So they're the ba- like the orchestra is very precise. Mm. <laughs> They, yeah, it's one of like the sharpest orchestras. And the songs, like, her singing is just precise and she's on it. They practice it for a month and she'd get, like, many different composers. A composer to write the uh, introduction, a composer to write the melodies or the main hook, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it was a big, pe- like, a, a big crew that she worked with. Okay, Because, yeah. like, you're composing a one-hour song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was difficult from that, from that point of view. But I'd say... Like long songs were normal then. Like they'd okay. have like yeah. you know, she'd have a thirty minute song or like to an hour song. Uh, uh, you'd also have like other singers and have twenty minute songs, twenty uh, five minute songs. So yeah, and she's notoriously known like uh, her her she's known as Kaukab Shark, which means Planet of the East. That's okay. how big of a symbol <laughs> she yeah, is. Yeah, okay. And like, uh, and sometimes people call her the Fourth Pyramid. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's how like that's how she affected the culture. That's no. how strong she affected the culture. And she actually influenced many artists like Robert Plant, Bob Dylan, oh, wow. and many people. So like, yeah, here's a quote by Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin, who said this about her when he saw her. I think it was in 1972 in Marrakesh, Morocco. He saw her in concert. So this is what he said. I was intrigued by the scales initially and obviously the vocal work Plant told the independent newspaper the way she sang uh, the way she could hold the note you could feel the tension you could tell that everybody the whole orchestra would hold the note until she wanted to change hmm. so she was basically conducting or leading oh. the orchestra with her songs or with her singing too when I first heard the way she could uh, would dance down through the scale to land on a beautiful note that I couldn't even imagine singing hmm. it was huge Somebody had blown a hole uh, in a wall of my understanding of vocals. Wow. Wow. 
Can you imagine that? <laughs> Coming from Robert Plant, where if you are diverse, like into rock music, Robert Plant is like sort of the singer, like mm-hmm. the musical singing, the, the rock god of singing. <laughs> So coming from him to go to a different country and say she has blown my entire knowledge of what I previously learned of singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Tell you how strong she was. And actually she, Robert Plant also like in Jenny Page they quoted her as one of the um, uh, inspirations behind the song Kashmir. Okay, yeah. I'm not so big into that song so I don't know the but yeah, but I'll listen to it. Yeah, yeah, give it a listen. And also, like, if you'd like to check it out, there's there is a version where like Robert Plant and Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. They played with an Egyptian orchestra. They take an Egyptian orchestra with oh, them on tour cool. to play the song specifically. Oh, wow. So it's very interesting how they blend both. So uh, yeah, and if I give you a song recommendation of hers, I'd give you uh, the song Al Filela Olila. Mm-hmm. I'm only giving one song recommendation for the reason that this song is 41 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, That's a two there. Yeah. yeah, so so it's sort of giving you like uh, an album recommendation rather. All right, so the next singer that I like, I'd like to talk about, he was a, he was a composer, an arranger, a singer, an actor, a film director, a writer. He he was one of those people who did a lot of things. Mm, yeah. He had a beautiful voice, let's agree to this, but not necessarily who you would think, like if if you're listening to this podcast and you know like a lot about Arabic music, he's not one of the people who you'd consider like, oh, he's going to talk about this. No, I'm not going to talk about Abdel Halim or Abdel Wahab, but uh, I'm going to talk a very special guy. I, I feel he's a pioneer and he's been, he was, he's not really neglected, but like I, I feel he deserves more spotlight. Mm. His name is Muhammad Fawzi. So let's say that this is one of the guys who decreased the 41-minute song to a 4-minute song. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to get it on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was one of those pioneers. Yeah, he, he decreased that, uh, what we know of a modern song. He was one of the people who did it, or constructed the modern song as we know it today into mm. like pop songs. But of course, with old orchestration and okay. like the classical form of it. So yeah, um, why is he great? He has really good melodies. He's a perfect composer. He composed for everyone. Like Omar Kalsum, he didn't mm. compose it for her. He didn't compose for her, but he was working with her on many different things. Okay. Uh, and he composed for many of the great singers in the region. He was a fantastic old player too. That's why he was one of the people like, he, he was one of the people where you could categorize as genius. Mm, like who yeah, would he wake could up. Anything. Yeah, he, he could wake up in the middle of a night, have a melody in his head, <laughs> needs to put it down, write it in notation just to remember it tomorrow. Mm. One of those people. And the thing is, like, his songs till this day, they do survive. And, like, Ummu Kalsum, her songs do survive and are considered, like, uh, notorious, but they aren't, she isn't really growing with the youth right mm. now like people know of her people know who she is and they respect her songs and they respect everything but you wouldn't as a young person you wouldn't grow up on her songs okay he has a different way where a lot of people in, in arabic diverse into arabic music or like in, who are from the region mm-hmm. they grow up with a song because first he he was one of the people who first did children's songs oh, arabic children's okay. songs interesting so for me, as an example, like I grew up on his songs, mm-hmm. on his children's songs. Like my mother used to play for me. Like for example, where you have an English "Twinkle Twinkle Little yeah, Star," yeah. he has his own songs that, oh, are like little lullabies, where people would sing and are known. So that's why it's still he progresses with different generations. Like mm-hmm. I can I can easily say that the songs that I grew up on were the same songs that my mother grew up on from his songs. Oh wow! Yeah. That's, that's that's the way. Nice. And he also did a very famous song, which also uh, uh, translated into the UK 
Uh, I think it's his most international song. It's known as Mustafa. I don't know if you know uh, it. Maybe if I hear it, but yeah, yeah, sure. Right. Let's give it a listen. Pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He incorporated a lot of Western elements of songs mm. into the Arabic music. Though. Like he, he was one of the first people to make that blend or okay, that crossover. Yeah. And also, like, a, he was also a very crucial figure because he opened the first vinyl record factory in the Middle East. Oh, cool! For his own own uh, albums. For or his in own, general. In general. Okay. For the, in the Middle East, in general, because like before, you'd have to go to the UK or to France or Italy to record mm. your songs. He was like, this is costing us too much money. Right, yeah. I'll just open like the vinyl <laughs> record factory. And he just opened it and like the entire Middle East was That's recording so cool. in Egypt because of this guy. So yeah, he was a pioneer in that sense too. If I give you uh, any song recommendations, I'll give you two. They're some of my favorite. They're not lullabies, but they're, they're, they're grown-up songs. <laughs> <laughs> First one's called uh, Fin Albi, uh, which, is, uh, which means Where's My Heart? And Tirbina Albi, which means like fly with us, my heart. All right, so the last singer that I'd like to talk about, uh, she's probably the most popular artist or singer coming out of the Arabic region or Arabic music in the Middle East in general, because she sold the most. She sold a hundred over one hundred and fifty million records worldwide, oh. and that's that's like how global she is. Uh, she's from Lebanon, of course. Uh, it's Fairuz. She has one of the most unique voices that she'd hear. Of course, she, she incorporates Tarab, but in her own way, mm. where her voice, like the best I can describe her voice, it's like silk. <laughs> it's that soft, where oh. when you sing it, it's just mellow and it take you, like she take you with the notes. It's like you're floating on a cloud. Oh. That's, how, that's how beautiful for her voice is. Not necessarily, she has a powerful voice, but not necessarily like her main characteristic, where it's power, mm -hmm. she can go that way. But it's the way that she vocalizes and like goes around in melodies. <laughs> yeah, she's just a beautiful singer. Uh, of course, she's a Lebanese cultural icon and uh, an Arab or like an Arab cultural icon. Everyone's like proud of her, mm -hmm. like that she, she like she's one of them like singing. She has a unique team that creates her music. And it's very unique because like the the one who composed most of her songs because. The one who composed most of her songs is her husband. Okay. His name is Asir Rahbani, one of the most famous composers in Lebanon, and he arranged also her music. And the one who wrote the poetry or the lyrics for the songs mm -hmm. was her brother-in-law, Mansour oh. Rahbani. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they, they like it was a family team mm -hmm. of working, and they, 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 they produced beautiful music. And after her, her husband died, one of the people who was also like helping to uh, Composed many of her songs was her 16 year old son. Oh wow, Ziad Very Rahbani. musical family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're into jazz, you need to listen to Ziad Rahbani. He does a beautiful blend between jazz and Arabic music. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's one of he's a fantastic composer, fantastic musician, pianist. He's he's unbelievable. He comp he composed your first song uh, when he was 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and it was a hit. It's not like it's it's not like it's one of those songs where like uh, you like artists just put aside. It's not notable. No, it's one of the most popular. Uh, wow. To those listening and those who know it's Aluni Ness. So yeah, it's one of her most popular songs. A little fun fact about her, like <laughs> when Corona or COVID started, like in the beginning of it, there was a meme trending around. Like it's not necessarily a meme, but there was a video trending around the uh, Facebook or mm. uh, Instagram. 
of her song, which is called Khalik Bilbait, which means please stay at home. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so it was used sort of, her song is just sort of like a campaign, please stay at home. <laughs> Fairuz is saying stay at home, so everyone please stay at home. Then, then everybody yeah, stay everyone will stay at home. Yeah, it, it's, the song basically talks about like, um, the meaning of the song, like, where she's asking her lover, her lover to please stay at home where they're not leave her and keep her cup. Mm. But like people just took like <laughs> the main chorus of it, which just says like Khalik will bite stay at home <laughs> and used it as a campaign. So yeah, she has beautiful songs. Uh, two of my favorite songs of her where I'd recommend for people to listen to is Bint al-Shalabaya and Nassam uh, Alayna al-Hawa. Uh, I'm not pronouncing it in the in the Lebanese dialect, so please, if there's anyone listening, don't judge my dialect. <laughs> I'm pronouncing it the way I know. So, um, yeah, and I'll try to post some of these song recommendations uh, on a playlist and share it with you guys on Spotify for you guys to check it out later. So when we were prepping this episode, I asked the Cyrus Radio Club in general what topic would they like me to talk about, and Jonathan actually... He was one of the people who suggested what I'm going to talk about right now, which is what you'd like to tell us. Yeah, sure. Uh, I thought it might be interesting to see how the, the, the classical Arabic music now influences contemporary music. Uh, and as we already talked about a bit, even beyond uh, the Arabic world itself. So I think Hassan has some excellent examples which we can discuss. Yeah, this is an interesting topic, yet a very difficult topic. Mm. Because in contemporary or modern, like recent pop music, it's very difficult to trace where the influence is actually directed right. from. But you can see some of the styles or the ways that they're singing, that they're, it's definitely traced from a certain singer or a certain way of music. Mm-hmm. But here there are, there are some examples that I've found and I'd like to talk about. Um, a Lebanese singer, a very well-known Lebanese singer like, who sings contemporary right now. His name is Rami Ayesh. He had a song called uh, Al Bimel. And in the intro of that song, this was one of the few songs where I was listening to prep for this episode. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> straight from Umm Kalsum's intro okay. to one of her songs. Nice. Not necessarily melodically, but the concept of how he progresses the introduction for the song. Okay. Like when, how it starts with the tabla, how it starts and then with the orchestration of the strings and how they all come in together. It's definitely like directly influenced. So if you'd like to give it okay. a listen. Yeah, sure. And did he, like, because uh, her originals were like 40 minutes long, so he condensed it. <laughs> of course. Then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the intro is like 10 to 15 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to play you a clip or like from the Omokatsun like also like 10 to 15 seconds of her intro mm-hmm. because it's too long. Okay, but yeah. how it starts it's very it's very like you can definitely tra- trace that this song comes from the song Al Filila Ulina mm-hmm. from Omokatsun. Yeah, so you got the gist of it. It starts with the tabla and with the rhythm section and then the orchestra comes in and plays like a very melodic but yet extremely rhythmic, like a yeah. bouncy rhythm on the strings. And now we can play Umm Kalsum's Al-Filayla Ulayla, a part, a part of her introduction because <laughs> this could be like a 10-minute or 15-minute introduction so we're going to play like a 16-second version of it. Here you can go listen. Thank you. 
Yeah. So you can can you trace like the, the a bit of the influence? Yeah, from yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting part. This was the most direct version of it that I could find, like of a song where it clearly is uh, paying homage to a singer yeah. or like a, an influence. So yeah, this was one of the songs that I found, and then like also like now there is an influence, not necessarily directly in uh, into the music, but into the culture of it. Okay. And into the songwriting and into the lyrics that are being talked about mm. ever since like the Arab Spring. Okay. In yeah. 2011, it had like a huge influence on the change in in the musical culture. Not necessarily um, a huge change, but like it's 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 the beginning of a change. Right. Yeah. So you have artists in Egypt like Hamza Namira and Cairo Key. They came to rising during the revolution because they're so they're singing like revolution songs. Um, about like social justice and things like mm -hmm. that and these guys they're directly they they even said it in a lot of like their uh, interviews which i traced like they're directly influenced by said that we we mentioned earlier yeah who's talking about like a lot of social issues and things that are happening around in society because mm -hmm. these guys like after the revolution they're not they're talking about politics they're talking about things where you wouldn't even think that it's allowed to talk about mm -hmm. the music it, like you can you can safely say that since the 50s nobody has been able to talk about certain topics and this has changed okay yeah so you're seeing like change back to the social change like like from Said Darwish's style of writing songs mm -hmm. they're using it talking about the same things the same issues yeah yeah so it's it's a small it's I wouldn't say a small it's like a medium sized movement. Mm. It's still not the pop. It's, not, it's still not what's necessarily always played on the radio. Okay, but uh, it's starting to get a lot of listeners and a lot of people like diverting their attention to them. Mm. And especially young people or especially young people. Okay. especially yeah. young people because young people they're tired of like love songs love songs. There must yeah. be something <laughs> else to the world other than love. Like you can talk about love. That's nice and everything, but <laughs> till when? <laughs> So yeah, this is definitely one of the changes that's happening and it's gaining influence from these people, mm. like from people like Said Darwish. And many of like the modern singers, yeah, as I told you before, they, they, they don't really sing the same style of Torah or anything, but they just pay homage in, in their songs mm. or, or play covers of them in concerts yeah. just to give a tribute and of course to display their vocal abilities because <laughs> yeah. some songs you can't really show your ability but like using mm. those old songs you can show like yo I'm a fantastic singer <laughs> whether you like it or not <laughs> yeah and then like uh, an interesting topic or interesting thing which I found when I was looking up is many samples from Arabic music into hip-hop music okay into many hip-hop music. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so here's one of the songs. It's originally by Abdul Halim Hafiz, who's also a very well-known motrib. He was, he was too, he, you can consider him like sort of a Beatle, okay. like from the Beatles, <laughs> where like, I think like there was a rumor, it's, I, I don't think it's confirmed or anything till now, but like when he got married, he didn't announce it to the public because there were women who were going to commit suicide oh, okay. because he this, got married this is how he was such an idol and, yeah, yeah. For, like oh wow yeah that's how it's <laughs> a great anecdote yeah yeah it's sort of like the, uh, the Egyptian version of a Beatlemania mm, yeah <laughs> so yeah you have Abdelhaim Hafiz's song Khosara 
First, we're going to start off with uh, uh, Abdel Halim Hafiz's Khusara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then Jay Z's Big Pimpin. Big Pimpin, baby. That's right. Big pimpin' spinning cheese. You can definitely see like how the melody of the song, how it changed yeah, the yeah. perception with the beat. For sure, yeah. With how the beat changed. <laughs> yeah, the feels of melody is very different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see like how the different fields are incorporated or, or used. Also, like a, like a fact about this song is that actually when it was sampled because at the time it was sampled, sampling wasn't really, I think, used in the in like Arabic music. So you just create your melodies, you compose everything that ha- it has to be different. You can't okay. copy it. Yeah. You can't have like short of a sample. So Abdel Hayim Hafiz, like record company or mm-hmm. like the record company that had the rights to his songs, they sued Jay-Z, uh, yeah, yeah. but they lost on a very simple thing. I, I didn't know this. Apparently it's a thing. Jay-Z and Timbaland, they claimed that they re-recorded the riff. Really? <laughs> so, if, <laughs> so if you re-recorded the riff, but apparently it's the same composition, you can... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you can pass by this, so yeah. And they lost and they didn't even get... Uh, they weren't recognized as part of like the oh, composition the song, so yeah. That's a shame. Though. It's a shame. It's a, I mean, yeah. Probably one of a million people that happened to them. Like, it's all right. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> it happened to a lot of people. I found it interesting. And then we have Warda Al-Gazairiya's song. She, so Warda, she's an Algerian singer, mm-hmm. but she sang Egyptian music. Okay. And a really cool thing about this song is that she's also one of the older era, where she sang from, like, let's say, the 50s mm-hmm. up until like when she passed away, uh, I think in 2000. I'm not sure when, but in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that she came back with this song after she was like away mm-hmm. and she came in the new wave. Oh, okay. So like there were the contemporary music which I'm talking about right now, she came out with it to compete with it and she, she was number one on the radio <laughs> oh, wow. with this song <laughs> in the 90s. So, so you can imagine like a person like going or making music in the 50s and then the 90s, <laughs> wow. the 90s movement, she, she had a number one hit. So yeah, it's called Batwan uh, Beek. We can give it a listen. I really like the rhythm. Uh, is it uh, a traditional rhythm, or is it one of the things that she maybe modernized a bit for no, the new? Uh... This is a traditional rhythm. Okay, it sounds so... very modern to me. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bouncy. It's it's nice. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's called Malfouf. I'm not sure. Okay. I need to revise which rhythm this exactly is, but yeah, it's a very well known rhythm, and then it's used by. Aliya, how you'd say it in English, but I think in Arabic we'd say it Aliya or Aliya. Mm. Uh, she's uh, an R and B singer, US R and B singer. Very, she was popular in the '90s or in that era. Of course, who sampled that song? The producer who's producing the songs also Timbaland. Oh, <laughs> so he was. 
<laughs> so we also you can see that he's getting a lot yeah, of influence. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things he's getting from the region or like the Egyptian music. So yeah, you can definitely hear the influence. So yeah, it's, the song is called "Don't Know What to Tell You." Again, it's interesting how different it sounds, but still you can hear it's the same thing, but still the, it makes, yeah, it's the surroundings make it sound so dif uh, different. Yeah, 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 how you change the beat and perceive the beat on a certain melody, yeah. it can really change the perception of Very the entire song. Yeah. yeah, so it's one of the interesting things that I found while uh, reading or listening to different how like they incorporated the beats and changed it mm. to make it adaptable to that style of singing yeah or that style of uh, dancing maybe because like maybe if they took the same beat and just added that song it wouldn't really incorporate with hip-hop dancing mm. or like break dancing or that culture yeah yeah as opposed to like the belly dancing culture mm. in egypt or in the arabic area arabic region so definitely like how you change the feel or the rhythm of a song on the melody translates differently between different people like different cultures different music mm -hmm. different arts different dances it has a meaning everywhere and um, just like as we're coming to an end to this episode i'd like to clarify something that the concentration of this episode was mostly on like egypt and lebanon or egypt not necessarily fol folkloric songs from egypt or lebanon but like the classical modern music coming out of those two specific countries mm -hmm. Also, you can include Syria and you can include like the Levantine area when, mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm talking broadly about music. Because if because in order to talk about Arabic music, you need like an entire series, like right. uh, season one, season two. Because <laughs> you have countries like the Gulf where like they have rhythms that are completely different, interpreted from animals like camels and how they walk. Mm -hmm. And you have completely like in Morocco, you have odd meter rhythms like nine eight rhythms and things like that so i just wanted to clarify for anyone who's like yo but this isn't the music that i listen to <laughs> this isn't what i know about arabic music yeah i know that but i'm just like this episode is just focusing basically on egypt and lebanon so uh, yeah i hope you guys enjoyed it well yeah it was very interesting for sure so thank you thank you a lot i yeah. definitely learned very much um, and uh, yeah, so definitely for the listeners, check out the Spotify playlist for to listen to all the examples we talked about. And of course, also go check out the other podcast by the Cyrus Radio Club. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you in the next episode. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye.